Blog Talk Radio. Hello, you are now listening to The Slavic Way with DK. I will be your host for this show. And uh, before we start, I'd like to point out that my internet connection is quite a bit slow today. So in case the show is cut short, that was not my intention. Uh, Also, before we start, I'd like to point out that uh, I do not have a co-host. So I don't have anybody to help me screen calls. So I will not be taking any phone calls today unless you are one of my friends on Facebook and you just send me a personal message with your phone number from which you're calling and I know exactly who's calling. The reason for that is only because I don't have a co-host and have no way to screen calls right now. Also, before we start, I'd like to make a couple announcements. First one being is my book. My latest novel, Forbidden World, is out on sale on Amazon and most online retailers. Also, the latest addition to the Slavic Way series, Book 13, is also out. It features quite a bit of uh, folklore stories about uh, ancient Slavic culture. So look that up as well if you're interested. Now, the show today is going to be about different qualities according to Slavic heritage and culture of what it takes to be a perfect husband. So today is mostly a show that's a continuation of the previous show I had, which was about the qualities it takes to be a perfect wife. So today we'll talk about being a perfect husband. So all the females out there don't feel left out and don't think that I was picking on them when I went through the list of qualities it takes to be a perfect wife. Now, before I start with the list I have, I'd like to point out that there were no single men or males or females in ancient Slavic culture because it was the duty of each and every individual to leave children after himself or herself. So one way or another, everybody was married. And there's also a saying that in Slavic culture, you became a husband first, and then you became a man after that. So you didn't become a man first and then a husband, but the other way around. First you became a husband, and then you became a man. So let's go through this list somewhat similar to what we did in the previous episode. And uh, we'll take a look at what it takes to be a perfect husband. Now, when I say perfect husband, I mean somebody who is basically could have any female he desired. He would have such qualities. If he would have, if such a man would have all of the qualities on this list, he would be the perfect husband for almost any female out there. Now, number one is a, number one on the list is the ability to consciously act in accordance with the commandments of ancestors, laws of own deities, and will of grandparents. 
Now, you have to keep in mind that the Slavic culture is a family kind of atmosphere, the ancient Slavic culture. It was based on honor and respect. And children always listened to their parents. They still made their own choices, their own decisions. But they always, always took into consideration what their elders and their parents, their grandparents had to say. Now, number two, this is a long one, but I'm going to go ahead and read the entire thing for you. It's the aspiration to the attainment of quality of knowledge, modesty, humility, nonviolence, tolerance, simplicity, appeal to the true spiritual teacher, cleanliness, resistance, self-discipline, abandonment of objects of sense gratification, absence of false ego, the realization that birth, death, old age, and disease are evil, lack of attachment, independence from enslavement by wife, home, children, housework, and work, calmness in the face of both pleasant and unpleasant events, constant and pure devotion to rod, enlightenment of the mind and avoidance of celebratory communications and swarms of people in solitude, self-sufficiency, recognition of the importance of attaining perfection, continuity of deep knowledge of the spirit light and true eye, curious discovery of perfect verity. Now, that's probably the longest we'll see on this show description for what basically counts as one quality to be a perfect husband. What it says is you have to be self-sufficient, basically. You have, if you have to, you have to be able to isolate yourself from your work, from your wife. You have to have full control of your emotions. You have to have full control of your desires. And it really does take a lot of willpower to be able to carry on like that. Now, the next quality on this list is very simple. The knowledge of Vedic writing. That's it. But while it is simple, it's very difficult to achieve. The main reason for that being is because there are so many different Vedic writings to go over. Most men in their lives, even if they, dedica- if they dedicate all of their free time to learning the Vedic wisdom, studying the ancient knowledge, still a- an impossible task to accomplish in just one lifetime. I mean, right now, even for all the books I have, and I'm actually even right now, I'm literally surrounded by books. To go through all of these books would take a lot lifetime. To understand all of these books would probably take 10 lifetimes. So the true meaning behind this quality of a perfect husband is to learn as much as you can and to understand as much as you can. After all, I mean, 
our ancestors and our deities, our bogi, they had many commandments, they had many different teachings, but when it really came down to it, there were only two commandments everybody had to follow. And if you followed those two commandments, you were pretty well off. And those two are to live in accordance with nature and to live by your conscience. And actually, I basically, is your conscience. Your conscience will not allow you anything that you're not supposed to do. I know that firsthand, most Slavic people on the first hand is if you have a conscience, you can't really go against it. If you go against it, even something as simple as little white lie, if you go against it, it will burn you from inside. It will literally burn you out from the inside. Even something as little as a little white lie. So just follow your conscience and you'll be pretty well off. You know, you do have to remember to honor your ancestors and your deities. You have to remember to offer them bloodless sacrifices. But that's also being a part of living by your conscience. Because your conscience will not allow you to forget to honor your deities. It's as simple as that. Number four, the ability to transfer your consciousness to your bodies of knives, klub, kolob, and diva. This goes back to all Slavic people having nine bodies, only one of which being a physical body. Now, I've read of only quite few people having the ability to transfer their consciousness into all of their different bodies. And it's really difficult to achieve. You have to be really, really spiritually developed to be able to transfer your consciousness into your different bodies. I was able to accomplish it only once and then only into one of my other bodies. But there are people out there who are so spiritually developed that they can transfer their consciousness into any one of their eight other bodies besides the physical body. And they can not only transfer their consciousness into those bodies, they are also able to travel through to other worlds in those other bodies and also speak to deities, entities, and beings in other world, worlds. Now, if you read the book of Prichlebov, who is currently being suppressed in Russia, in his book, it does say that he is able to accomplish that. Now, most people who can accomplish that, I'm not quite there yet. You have to be really, really developed. And I've never heard of anybody being accomplished that at a quite young age, although it's possible. Age is not an issue. But usually it's a person when a husband or a male, when they uh, develop 
a solitary lifestyle when they go off into the woods for a couple of years, disappear and stay by themselves for a couple of years, they are able to develop such qualities to where they can transfer their consciousness to other bodies. It really is a trip without using any drugs or substances whatsoever. Now, number five, the knowledge of right of COP, which is the old Slavic gathering of elders, and the ability to prove your righteousness. Slavic system of justice was not as our current system of justice or current system of rule. Before, only husbands were allowed to participate in a gathering and not just any husband, you would have to be an established husband and established father in order to have to be able to voice your opinion at the gathering of the elders. So you would have to have raised at least, I believe, nine children in order to be able to voice your opinion. Now, many feminists out there will say it's not fair. Females have to be able to voice their opinion as well. Well, to them, I say, boo-hoo, a good husband, a perfect husband, will never voice his opinion in such a way, or any kind of opinion, if it will negatively impact his wife, first and foremost, and his children. That's why it was only established husbands and established fathers who were able to participate in the gathering of elders. So unless you had at least, I believe it was nine children, you were not, a, you did not have an opinion. There were also other, let's say, requirements to be able to voice your opinion. One of them is you had to have a long beard, but those are hearsay. But one, I know for sure, you would have to been an established husband and established father before you could voice your opinion at a gathering of the elders. Now, the next one is the ability to control your feelings. That's what men do. Men are the protectors. They always went to war. They always went to combat. They had to protect their wives. They had to protect their children. And feelings on the battlefield can get you killed. So really you had to control you had to have the ability to control your feelings in any situation. You had to be able to control your feelings when you're dealing with your wife or with your children or when you're fighting off uh, the enemy on the battlefield. Number 7, the next one is the ability to control the power of life and the center of hara. goes down it comes down to the knowledge of chakras which are the vortexes of power the whirlwind of power in each and every human in each and every body and if you study slavic heritage if you study slavic culture you will know that there were warriors on the battlefield who were pretty much an invincible on the battlefield. They could not be defeated. 
that being because they were able to control their power of life. There are tales of warriors on a battlefield, Slavic warriors on a battlefield, when even if enemy would cut off their head, their body still kept on fighting for some time. So they had such control over the, their bodies, over their energies, that they could slow down time, they could speed up time, they could control their body to move faster, to move slower, to disappear, to move in space. It's just amazing all of the abilities that our ancestors had. Right now, yes, because of the Night of Svarog, most of those abilities were lost. While they were not lost technically, they went into hibernation. But yes, those abilities are now being woken up because Night of Svarog is over. It is now the morning of Svarog, so slowly but surely all of our abilities will come back to us. You just have to be patient. You just have to wake up yourself. You have to make sure you're awake. And sooner or later, if you are working at it, some of those abilities may open themselves up to you. Now, number eight is the ability to bring to order own simya or family and society. Again, husbands, good husbands, control their emotions and they stay in control. They can bring order to chaos. That's their responsibility, that's their duty, to bring order to chaos. Now, number nine, it, there was also a similar one when we discussed, the, when I talked in the previous show about uh, qualities of a perfect wife. Number nine is the ability to educate own spouse. I'd say it's more of a deception because in Slavic culture, women, actually not women, but wives and females, they were highly educated. But if males or husbands had to control their emotions, then females or wives had to have the ability to hide their wisdom. They had to learn to use their wisdom in such a way as to show their husbands that their husbands are smarter, when in fact, women were so wise, some of them, that all of the choices a husband would make were, in fact, all of the choices a wise wife wanted the husband to make. That's how it went. Husbands think they're wise, when in fact, wives are actually wiser, and they indirectly influence the husbands and making all the right decisions. Next one is the ability to think on your feet. I, there's actually the same one that uh, we discussed in the last episode when we discussed qualities of the perfect lives. I think it's a quality that each Slavic person should have, the ability to quickly think on your feet in any situation. Now, the next one is the ability to communicate with forces of nature. This is something that was open to all Slavic people, male, female, child, 
elder makes no difference. All Slavic people at one point before the night of Svarok were able to communicate with forces of nature. You want it to rain? You imagine it, you think it, rain begins to fall. You want a cool breeze during the summer heat? Imagine it, think it, you get your wind. Everybody was able to do it. Uh, we will discuss different channels that a person can uh, control in one of the next episodes. But it actually uh, is part of the spiritual and soulful development of a of an individual is to learn to control force of, forces of nature. Now, it is true that some people can control more than others. In ancient times, in old times, all had to practice some sort of control to a point. Number 12. The ability to use own hair and beard. And as I said before, as I said in the previous episode when we discussed the qualities of a perfect wife, I will dedicate an entire episode of the show, of the Slavic Way with DK, to, to basically hair, to abilities that we are given through our hair. Just think of your hair as the extension of your nervous system. And that will open some doors for you. You will understand more. There were studies being done. There were, I'm talking about government studies done, that proved that hair is very important. And it's actually one of the reasons why, if should you go into service for pretty much any country, the first thing that's done to you is your head, head is shaved. Your hair is cut clean off. Your beard is cut clean off. You lose by that ritual being done to you. And that's quite an old ritual. It goes back to Rome and the uh, Roman Empire when all soldiers had to shave their heads and cut, cut off their beards. But by going through th that ritual, you sever your connection to your ancestors and your road. But like I said, I will dedicate an entire episode of this show to hair at one at some time in the future. Next one is the card or the rituals, the culture and tradition of your own people. Slavic people learn that from early age. They learn about all of the celebrations, about all of the holidays, about all of the rituals that are important to each and every family, each and every simya. And it begins to be as easy to do as to wash your hands before your meal. Number 14 is very similar to the one we had uh, in the previous episode, the basic knowledge of astrology, favorable and unfavorable days. Uh, everything that was done, agriculture, breeding of animals, everything and everything, when, even when hair could be cut, all came down to astrology, which is old, very ancient 
Slavic culture, its uh, astrology actually goes back to ancient Slavic days. It was later passed on to uh, China and to Asia, but astrology is a very important Slavic culture. Even to this day, most Slavic people are drawn to astrology. They are drawn to what may happen according to the stars. Although they don't necessarily understand that there it's that it's their own ancient tradition rather than something that was introduced to them. Now the next one is cleanliness. And if you look at Slavic culture, cleanliness is very important. Again, it doesn't matter who you are. Husband, wife, child, elder, cleanliness is very important. Basic hygiene. You wash your hands after all your doings. You go to banya once a week. If you stay clean, you stay healthy. If you stay healthy, you live longer. Number 16. The ability to do different massages to maintain longevity and health. Same as we saw in uh, last episode when it was about quality of a perfect wife, quality of a perfect husband. To know massaging techniques to be able to maintain longevity longevity and health. So it's not it has nothing to do with the battle of the sexes. Uh, both husbands and wives had to know certain things. Just as the next one, the Vedic treatment, herbal medicine spells, treatments with life force and so on. Just had to know it. As basic knowledge, well at least it was back in the day, now most people have really have no clue when it comes to Vedic treatment. Number 18, possession of honor and dignity, the ability to protect yourself, your simya or family, your rod, your people and fatherland or motherland. It's simple. Not only themselves, their simya, they protect their loved ones, their, their wives, their children, their parents. They can't do it well. I mean, every time there's a war, just think about it this way. If your country goes to war, if your country has to defend itself from an aggressor, if you don't want to go, if your next-door neighbor doesn't want to go, well, who's going to protect, protect your family if it's not you personally. Uh, and it goes right into the next one, the knowledge of different types of battle arts. Boys, I would say, even children, learn begin to learn battle arts from early age. I'd say even some learn from maybe as early as three, four, five years old. Right now, it goes, well, right now it's as simple as uh, kids playing war games out in the yard. Before, it was your grandfather made you a sword. First, it was a toy sword, then it was a real sword. And you began practicing with that sword after age of nine. And from the age of nine up until the age of 16, you learn to handle 
that sword. Actually, it was two swords because you used two swords. And uh, didn't really use a shield. Well, not some Slavic people did use shields, but there were such warriors that only used two swords. They did not use shields. Their battle tactics were such where you did not fear for your own life. Your responsibility in battle was to protect the person right next to you. As we actually see in even Slavic, Slavic culture, Slavic countries today, when soldiers go into battle, they have no fear for their own life, but they will protect the soldier, the warrior right next to them. They will give their own life just so the warrior right next to them can live. And when everybody does that, you don't need a shield. And you don't need to worry for your own life because you know you know your your life is protected in battle. You have to protect the person right next to you. Now next one, number twenty. The perfection and art of mind games, military strategy and tactics. Now a couple decades ago, I actually I'd say more just over a decade ago, I read the book, The Art of War. Now, if you study Slavic culture, you will understand. If you study Slavic culture, Slavic heritage, you will understand that in Slavic culture, the art of war was very important. Actually, the last book that I just released of the Slavic Way series, there are many old stories that speak of how Slavic people used the art of war when the odds were really against them. They had to use trickery, they had to use mind games in order to win battle. And there are many stories that are featured in uh, its book 13 of the Slavic Way series. If you read it, you will see that there are really many ancient stories that speak of such mind games and military strategies that were used in ancient times by Slavic people. Number 21, experience in handling different types of weapons, agility, and proficiency. It was not only a sword. Each Slavic person knew how to handle a sword, knew how to handle a spear, and knew how to handle a bow. At least there were, of course, other weapons like axes, uh, hammers. The more you knew, the safer you were on a battlefield. Because if you lost your weapon, you could pick up any weapon, you could pick up any stick and turn it into a weapon against your enemy. And it all came down to protecting your loved ones. You had every husband on the Every husband had to have the ability to protect his wife and his children. And then also his uh, the elders and his community. Uh, next one is the ability to plastically move and perform techniques of unarmed combat and dance. Well, what we know many different types of unarmed combat in modern times. One of them being wrestling. Uh, what we call 
Eastern Battle Arts, like Kung Fu, Jiu Jitsu. There's one ancient Slavic battle art, it's called Spas, which most hand to hand combat art can find, trace their roots back to this ancient Slavic battle art, which is called Spas. And I've seen videos of some people having complete control of this battle art, and I will tell you, it doesn't matter if you have 20, 30, 50 unarmed opponents against one person who is in complete control of such battle arts, he will still win. I mean, it really doesn't even come down to having to being really strong because the simplest touch can render, render your opponent useless. Even a simplest touch can kill if you have control of such battle art on the field. There are plenty of books on the subject. If you research them, just research uh, in English would be S-P-A-S and uh, just read up on the subject. It's really amazing what some people can do with such a battle art. Next one is the ability to create different types of weapons, equipment, and tools. I can tell you even today, there are so many different techniques being taught in military schools where you basically use what you got. Don't search for weapons. Turn everything you have into a weapon. Such was the technique back then. And it's definitely a quality of a perfect husband. I mean, if you look at these, most of the ones we're currently discussing have to do with protection. And what's the main purpose of a perfect perfect husband? Protection of wife and children. If your wife feels safe with you, half the deed is done. Next one is the ability to design and build the knowledge of the symbolism of the home. Isn't the saying, uh, isn't, doesn't the good saying go, you have to plant a tree, build a home, and raise a son? Well, as it happens, building the ability to build a home is one of the qualities of a perfect husband. You have to be a craftsman. You have to know how to build your own home. Don't pay your, don't pay money for somebody else to build it for you. They're not going to do. No matter how much money you spend, nobody will do as good of a job building your own dream house as you can. Buy some books, read up, learn how to build a home. Even if it's going to be a small house that's maybe a hundred, a hundred fifty square foot room with a furnace. Hey, if you build it with your own hands. It's much better than paying somebody to build a 10,000-foot mansion for you because you have so much more to be proud of if you do something with your own hands. Number 25, the ability to reason, to identify patterns, and to come to conclusions. Well, be wise. You have the ability to use your wisdom, to use your knowledge. No symbolism. I mean, how many books have uh, you read about ancient symbolism in the past year or two? Not many people can say they've read even one. 
So knowing symbolism is really important in Slavic culture because each symbol has a different meaning and uh, some symbols can bring you luck, some symbols can take your luck away. Some symbols can heal, some symbols can bring harm. So symbolism is very important. Uh, The simplest symbol I can think of right now most people have no idea what it means is the peace sign the three rays pointing down in a circle well guess what in ancient Slavic culture moon of a Chernobog, which according to some is the devil of the Slavic culture so there you go and most people in the world see it as a peace sign when in fact it has a very different true meaning that symbol does and if you like to uh, learn more about symbols, book five of the Slavic Way series, all about symbolism. Check it out. I mean, these tools, these this information is available to you if you know where to look. Don't blame don't blame somebody else for your ignorance when the time comes. Let's see next one. The ability to be collected in any situation. Well, I mean, that goes without saying. You have to have complete control over yourself, over your emotions, and over your actions. Next one is the ability to clearly and eloquently express thoughts. There was a similar one when it came to qualities of a perfect wife. If you're smart, well be able to express your wisdom in words. Don't just stand there and say, uh... I mean, actually, we see this quite a bit on the news. We're news anchors now. If you look news from even a decade ago, two decades ago, a news anchor never went, uh... I mean, if you take basic speech class at your community college, they say number one thing that everybody does is they have the uh pause between everything that they say. Just pause. Don't even say anything. Don't make any sound at all. But have the ability to express your thoughts. Right now, people provide us with information who are supposed to provide us with truthful information over television and other media channels. Well, they're dumber than a donkey. Because they can't even carry a thought into words. And as you can see, it's one of the qualities of a perfect husband and also a quality of a perfect wife. is the ability to express your thoughts in words. So instead of saying, ah, like an animal between everything you say, just pause and think. You have to know what you're going to say before you say it. Not the other way around. You say it, and then you think about what you just said. Next one. The knowledge of different characters. Again, it goes back to symbolism. You have to understand the symbols, the characters. Just look at ancient Slavic culture. You look at old Slavic culture. Um, there is one book in the Slavic Way series about Bukvica, it mentions 
many different systems of writings in ancient Slavic culture. I'm currently working on another book about a, another different system of Slavic writing. There were, way, there were many of them, one for each and every separate purpose. For a community, there was one system of writing. For rule, there was another different system of writing. For army purposes, there was yet another system of writing. For trade, that there was a fourth system of writing. So there were so many different systems of writing in Slavic culture. There was one language. Don't get me wrong. There was one language. But there were at least four main systems of writing, if not five, and many, many, many secondary different systems of writing. And when somebody said a Slavic individual was educated, well, you really have no idea. Just knowing one Slavic language, you and if you knew several systems of writings, it was more than knowing ten foreign languages today. I, I just use number 10 just as an example, but seriously, if you knew one Slavic, if you knew ancient Slavic, you would probably be able to speak or communicate in all different dialects of ancient and old Slavic today. I'm talking about Russian, Ukrainian, Belarusian, Polish, Serbian, all these have the same root language, the old Slavic and the ancient Slavic. I mean, yes, I was ignorant at one point. I only knew Russian. Then I learned Ukrainian. Then I uh, traveled to Belarus. I'm like, oh, that's very simple. I can learn Belarusian. Now I have friends on Facebook from Serbia. I have friends from many different Slavic cultures. And every time there's a post, in a language that I really never learned, if I, let's say, if, if I look at it, if I use my mind, if I use my knowledge, I can understand at least half of what's written in that language I've never read before. Just because it all goes down, it, it all comes down to the same root language, the Old Slavic or the Ancient Slavic. Number 29 the knowledge of games which develop mental abilities. Like I said in the last episode when it came to qualities of perfect life. Play games, learn mental games that develop your mental abilities. I mean, the game that most of us know today is chess. Well, learn how to play chess. Be an expert at chess. Stop playing video games. I mean, video games make you, if anything, they make you stupider than you want to be. Play games that develop your mental abilities. Next one. The knowledge of different games of dispute. You have to have the ability to prove your point. If you're right, if you believe you're right, well, you have to be able to prove it, not just say you're right. Number 31. The knowledge of witty thinking and skills of deception. There was almost identical one in the previous episode. Both men and women have to be able to outwit each other. Husbands and wives, well, 
If you're married, you know what I'm talking about. You constantly try to outwit your wife without upsetting her and getting into a fight. At the same time, she's trying to outwit you without hurting your feelings and, again, starting a fight. It's a game of wits. That's what marriage is. Next one, the ability to mislead opponents. Same thing, pretty much. It comes down to ability to have your way with the one who is, at the moment, your opponent. Number 33, the ability to guess the conceived number or numbers, names, objects, phrases, etc. It's more than having the ability to guess before in ancient times. Well, not even that ancient. There were people who, and even today, there are people who could read minds. If you think of a number, they would, as long as it's on the surface, they would be able to predict that number. Sometimes it's guessing, sometimes it's the, it's telepathy. Number 34, the knowledge of games based on guessing. Puzzles, charades, hide-and-seek, etc. Again, it's not all guessing. Sometimes it's the ability to predict your opponent's actions. Sometimes it's guessing. Sometimes it's telepathy. Sometimes it's the sixth sense. Who knows? Number 35, the keeping of business calculations, knowledge of measures, of weight, volume, density, and so on. Well, it comes down to being as knowledgeable as, and as informed as you can be. Right now, we go to school, we learn math, we learn algebra, we learn geometry. In Slavic culture, that was all part of life. Measures were different. The dimensions were different, but you still learned the system. Next one is the knowledge of the tech system. Before the tech system, as I discussed in the previous episode, I'm not really going to get into it today. The tech system in ancient times was simpler than it is today. And it was, while it was mandatory, all participated willingly. Nobody was forced to participate. And I don't even believe there was any kind of punishment if you did not pay your taxes. Because all understood that somebody who is wealthy today, and let me stress that wealthy did not mean you had gold, silver, Let's say you had plentiful harvest this year and you gave part, gave a part of your harvest as a tax to the army and to the priests. But let's say the following year you had a poor harvest while your neighbor had a wealthy harvest. Well, nobody was going to hold that against you if you were unable to give something because you had a poor harvest. In fact, you were probably even helped by your neighbors when you had a poor harvest. So you have to look at the old Slavic culture as not people who were always 
feuding with one another, but rather at the culture of people who always helped one another. Remember, history is really, really messed up. And what we are taught in the official history, I say usually it's a 99% lie and 1% false truth. Because written history is changed every time regimes change. And just look at look at that same Russia. How many times did regimes change in the last hundred or so years? It's insane. Number 37, the ability to negotiate and to conduct business. Simple. Let's see. Next one is the ability to recognize qualities, abilities, states, and intentions of a person by his walk, movements, gestures, facial expressions, and posture. That's very interesting. That used to be part of basic education for all Slavic youth. It's the ability to judge everybody and anybody based on their movements, gestures, facial expressions, posture, and so on. You had the ability to read the book by its cover. You could tell what the book would be all, all about just by seeing the cover. Number 39, the ability to recognize the condition of a person by his handwriting, to beautifully and intelligently communicate in writing. It's still true today. There are experts today who can look at your handwriting and tell you what kind of person you are. And while you may disagree with them, you know they'll be right. Next one is the ability to convey with the aid of painting, drawing, sculpture, engraving, stamping, forging, casting, carving on stone and wood of own state and perception of the surrounding world. Look at that. You had to, if you want to be a perfect husband, learn some type of art. Be able to express your thoughts, your feelings through art. And your wife will be so much more attracted to you. Number 41, the knowledge of the properties of stones and the ability to use them. Each stone has its own properties. There are stones that can heal. There are stones that can even drain energy from people. You have to know which stones can do what. And again, that's an, also another quality of a perfect husband. Next one is the ability to decipher dreams and to interpret the signs. If you look in the latest book of the Slavic Way series, you will see many stories about knazi and generals having the ability to interpret signs. You will see some stories in the last book that's released of the Slavic Way series about interpretation of dreams. You will see how important it was in the Slavic culture because 
it's mentioned very often in those stories. Why can't it be important today? I know plenty of people who interpret their dreams and they are able very often to predict what may happen based on the dreams they had the night before. It's not superstition. It's just something that's been practiced for thousands and thousands of years. Next one is the compilation of garlands, wreaths, bouquets, and the knowledge of their hidden meaning. There was the exact same thing in the last episode when it came to being a perfect wife. You have to know the meaning of each bouquet you make, of each garland or wreath you make. Because different flowers arranged differently will have a different meaning. The simplest one I can say today is the number of flowers a man will bring a girl or a maiden he's seen when he comes on a date. In Slavic culture, if you bring an odd number of flowers, you're in good shape. But if you bring an even number of flowers, you'll probably get slapped on the face with that bouquet. Yet, in American culture, usually how many flowers do we get our women? A dozen. Well, in Slavic culture, that's a bad sign. So make it 11 or make it 13. Make it, make it an odd number. But you have to know that. Don't be ignorant. It's the number one thing while, when, why we learn something. is So we are not ignorant. We have to get rid of our ignorance. Next one is the ability to make building materials, utensils, household items, and toys out of clay. Again, just a neat little craft to know to be able to make things out of clay. It's a quality of a, another one of the qualities of a perfect husband. Hey, the more you know, the more your wife will like you or love you. Number 45. Manufacturing of fabrics and yarns of different materials, production and decoration of clothing, knowledge of the hidden meaning of patterns and characteristics of products. Again, you have to be able to make with your hands, to create with your hands, and you have to know symbolism. Symbolism is very important in Slavic culture. Next one is the preparation of paints, dyeing of fabrics, yarn, clothing, and utensils. Well, again, just keep yourself busy. Learn a skill. Know how to use dyes in fabrics. Uh, next one is really interesting. is the art of cooking and preparation of beverages. Look at the best chefs around the world today. Most of them are male. Because not only men or husbands like when their women know how to cook, but wives really appreciate a husband who can cook. So that is definitely a good quality to have in a perfect husband. Next one is the knowledge of wild plants that are used in everyday life and in nutrition. Well, plants harm, plants can heal. 
if you know which plants are good for you, which plants are bad, you'll be able to well, you'll be able to deal with that along the way. I mean, there are plenty of books available right now which speak of what plants do what. I mean, I myself have a good probably half a dozen such books. Plants, mushrooms, just learn your plants. It's a good, definitely a good quality to have. If anything, you'll have something to talk about with your wife when you're sitting and the power is out and the only light you have in the house is from the fireplace. The more you know, the better you are off. The ability to gather a good harvest in the field and the garden to preserve it and to make edible semi-manufacturers. Well, that goes without saying. I mean, in ancient Slavic culture, if you did not gather a good harvest, you probably wouldn't make it to the next one. Or if you did make it, you'd probably be in really bad shape. If you wanted to protect your wife and protect your children, you would have to stay strong. And to stay strong, you would have to collect a good harvest. And in order to collect a good harvest, you would have to have knowledge how to collect good harvest. It's like setting up dominoes. If you know, if you don't know one, you don't know the other, you can't accomplish, accomplish the third, and eventually you're probably not going to make it. Number 50, the knowledge of animal husbandry. Well, not all males, not all husbands in the ancient Slavic culture were gardeners, craftsmen. Some took care of the cattle. So you definitely would have to know not only your animal husbandry, but you also would have to know the good and the bad days for your cattle to get together and produce good offsprings. This leads to the next one, is communication and games with animals for their education and the suggestion of necessary actions. Well, if you're, let's just put it this way. If you know how to deal with animals, you're good. And it's definitely a good quality to have. If you don't know how to deal with animals, if you can't find, find your language with animals, well, odds are your animals will probably run away from you. Next one I like, because next one is every father should, it's a quality every father should have if you're ever planning on having children. If you don't want to have children, well, you're not going to be a good father, you're not going to be, you're not going to be a good husband. Next one is the knowledge of tales, fairy tales, epics, and legends. Know as many as you can, because if you have children, well, children love to listen to fairy tales as often as they possibly can. And in order for you to be able to tell them different fairy tales, and trust me, they will ask for a different fairy tale every night. And in order for you to be able to tell them those fairy tales, you have to learn them. Definitely a good quality to have. Number 53 the writing of poetry and songs and their execution. Well, this really goes 
comes down to seniors passing on Slavic heritage through songs. Remember, not much was written down before Christianity. Everything was passed on through songs, through tales, through fairy tales, from father to son, grandfather to grandson. That's why things never changed. The same fairy tale was told the same way 10,000 years ago as it is today. As soon as things are written down, they are forgotten. And it's much easier to change something that was written down to reprint a book differently than to change heritage that's passed on verbally. Number 54, the knowledge of favorable and unfavorable rhythms, tempos, and melodies and their play on many various instruments. Again, another good skill brings another good quality for the perfect husband. Learn to play musical instrument. It doesn't matter which musical instrument. You can play piano, you can play guitar, you can play even harp. But it's definitely a good and interesting quality to have. The ability to juggle various items. Well, we had the same one in the previous episode. I'm not going to get into it. Now we get into something uh, that we discussed in the previous episode. But I definitely suggest you listen to it about perfect wife. Now we go into qualities of a perfect husband. The ownership and control of sexual force. Now you have to keep in mind that in Slavic culture, There was never sex between husband and wife. Sex is something that was developed actually in the last century, maybe before, as a weapon to destroy the purity of rod, to destroy the purity of race. In Slavic culture, in Slavic heritage, husband and wife came together and increased their energy, which you can call sexual energy, they brought it to their maximum potential to pass that energy on to their child, so their child will grow up to be better than they are. That's the whole purpose. You try to bring up children who will surpass you at everything. In order for you to do that, You have to be in complete control of your sexual force, of your sexual energy. Otherwise, completely opposite result. Also, our ancestors tried to call forth the strongest soul of the strongest ancestor. And the more you're in control of your sexual force, the stronger, the much stronger soul will be called forth to be reincarnated, the soul of your long-past ancestor will be reincarnated in your child. You have to keep in mind that we are constantly, according to Slavic culture and heritage, we are constantly reincarnated until we complete all we are destined to do in this four-dimensional physical world before we can we can move on to higher planes of existence. Okay, uh, next one also deals with 
bringing forth the strongest, the soul of the strongest ancestor. It's the ability to unleash a whirlwind, whirlwind of sexual energy of sufficient power together with a spouse for conception of aristocrat. What that word means? It means aristocrat. So aristocrat is an Ari who is a hundred times more powerful than any other Ari or Aryan. But the word is Ari. It's like Slav. And the word Aryan means like Slavic. It's a designation. Number 58. The control of sexual energy and its union with the energy of a spouse in various love poses. Again, Kama Sutra was not just about different love positions, uh, sex positions. Kama Sutra was about learning to control energy to bring forth the strongest possible candidate for reincarnation. Unless you wanted a new pure soul, that's completely the choice of parents, completely the choice of husband and wife. And also is based on energy, but you had to learn to control that energy if you wanted to bring back the strongest possible candidate to, to be your child. Number 59, the knowledge of the art of lovemaking and games. Again, quality to have. What, we discussed this in the previous episode. I brought this up. Why should perfect wife be the only one who knows the art of lovemaking? It's it's a partnership. Both the husband and the wife should be skilled at this to bring forth the best, the strongest candidate for reincarnation or unless you want to bring forth the strongest pure soul in your child. Uh, number 60, the ability to satisfy a spouse and to deliver her most pleasure. Again, the purpose of this remains the same. Number 61 is the knowledge of the hidden meaning of dresses and ornaments, the ability to present them to own spouse. Before, husbands did not rush off to a nearby store to buy their wives a present for even anniversary. Everything was made by hand. Each husband made a gift by himself. If that gift was a dress, well, guess what? Each husband made the dress from scratch and not only made it, but also embroidered it with different symbolism. That's how skilled our ancestors were. Why shouldn't we learn such skills and present ourselves as perfect husbands and perfect wives? Number 62, I find it very interesting because there was a completely different one in the previous episode and I suggest you listen to the previous episode as well. And that's the ability not to upset own spouse. 
I believe the quality of a perfect wife a perfect wife was the ability to uh, calm the anger of your husband. Here is the ability not to upset your spouse. So it's kind of interesting how husband and wife, how perfect husband and wife would come together because they would be able to predict their spouse's actions and would know how to act accordingly, not to bring forth those negative actions. Number 63, the knowledge of kind words and the ability to use them. Well, in other words, what wife does not like compliments? And a good quality of a perfect husband is the knowledge of how and of when to pay those compliments to your wife. And 64 is the same as in the previous episode, to faithfully execute the prescribed duties before rod. Everything is done for, for your rod, and everything is done to, fulf to fulfill your duty before rod. And that's pretty much it for today. So, what can I say? Again, let me go a few things before I end this episode and begin working on the next episode of The Slavic Way with DK. Again, first, foremost, my latest novel, Forbidden World, is out. Look for it on Amazon and other online retailers. Also, the latest addition to The Slavic Way series is Book 13, Slavic Tales and Myths, Part 3, also available on Amazon and many other retailers, so check that out. I'm working on the Slavic Weight series. I plan to have 16 books in that series. So this book makes... This is book 13. So three more books to go. Then the series, I will call them complete. But definitely a lot of good information on Slavic culture and Slavic heritage in the Slavic Way series. Lastly, if you like the show, if you'd like to see it stay on the air, uh, log on to PayPal and throw a few bucks. I mean, my budget is kind of low this year, and uh, unfortunately, this show is not free. So help me out, and I'll, and I'll keep the show going. Also, you're more than welcome to log on to Facebook. Find me on there. Locate my page, The Slavic Way. And I'm definitely always open to suggestions, to questions, anything and everything you may want to hear. So, next show I want to make about uh, the end of days, the end of the world, the end of light, according to Slavic culture. I think it will be a really interesting show. I will start getting ready for that show, collect some materials for you, and listen to the next show because you will be amazed and surprised at the way and at the relationship Slavic culture has with what today is called the end of the world, the end of days, you name it. And 
we'll discuss that. I'll take some calls then, not today, but definitely then. And uh, we'll probably have a really good discussion next time. Thank you again for listening. This has been The Slavic Way with DK. And I will see you here next time. Bye-bye.